The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are simply that, opinions. All are presumed innocent until proven otherwise in a court of law. Sensitive topics are discussed. Discretion is advised. Hi, I'm Vinnie Politan with another audio edition of Judgment with Ashley Banfield on the Court TV podcast. This week's episode dives deeper into the brutal murder of Travis Alexander and the subsequent trial of his on-again, off-again girlfriend, Jody Arias. Her name would become infamous as this shocking trial unfolded on televisions across the nation. Featuring interviews with friend of Travis Alexander, Dave Hall, author Josh Hoffner, and ASU professor of psychology, Dr. Jessica Salerno, this is Judgment of Jody Arias. This is the Court TV Podcast. Arizona, a suburb just 20 miles east of Phoenix, surrounded by the natural Sonoran Desert. Visitors flock to this playground for hiking, golfing, and baseball spring training. But on the night of June 9, 2008, this oasis was rocked by the discovery of 30-year-old Travis Alexander's body. He'd been stabbed 27 times, his throat was slit, and he'd been shot in the head. Travis was a devout member of the Mormon Church with a wide social circle. So who could have committed this brutal crime? Investigators had only one suspect, his ex-girlfriend, a young woman whose name would become infamous, Jody Arias. I didn't hurt Travis. I would never hurt Travis. Travis Alexander had been stabbed 27 times and shot once in the head. Family and friends pointed at Arius, saying she was completely obsessed. And police say her DNA was found at the crime scene. But none of it proves that I committed a murder. A friend went over to Travis's house to see if he was okay because for days he hadn't answered his phone and hadn't returned any phone calls. As soon as they opened the door, the odor gave it away that something's wrong. Then they saw the blood in the bedroom down the hallway and found him in the shower. He was stabbed multiple times. He was slashed. Eventually, he was shot. Travis's acquaintances were telling the lead detective, this woman, Jody has been acting very strange and has been exhibiting some very bizarre behavior and you should look at her. How would you describe your, your relationship with him? We had lots of fights. 
Was it was there a lot of issues? I mean, obviously it wasn't a great relationship. It was great for a while. Travis was one of the funniest, outgoing, charismatic guys I've ever met in my life. The guy would light up a room. When Travis met Jody, I thought, how far can this relationship go? It's a long distance relationship. I kind of viewed it as more of a one night stand that ended up lasting more than a night. Travis was very devout in his religion. He was a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, also known as the Mormons. He still wanted to make himself available to women that were more likely to be Mrs. Alexander. My impression of Jody was that she desperately wanted to get married. She believed that a Mormon man would be a family man, that he would marry her. He kind of treated Jody Arias like the other woman. She didn't get to know a lot of his friends, and when she did, they didn't like her. He kind of kept her around because he could have sex with her. I don't think he ever thought, this is the woman I'm going to marry. It was a relationship that was based a lot on lust. Up to that point, her life was a series of dead-end jobs where she just kind of bounced from one gig to another in pursuit of something that she found, I think, ultimately with Travis Alexander. Once they broke up, things really went off the rails and it led to a savage killing. Were you and Travis just out on Wednesday? Absolutely not. I was, I was nowhere near Mesa. I can't deny this evidence. Your picture's on that date with him. Your blood is in the house, mixed with his. And your palm print is there in blood. It's over. When Jody was arrested, the feeling was relief. It was about time. First, she said she didn't do it. And then she changed her story to the masked intruder theory. Jody Arias is sticking to her story that two mystery killers murdered her former boyfriend. And she's convinced a jury will believe her. No jury is going to convict me. Why not? Because I'm innocent, and you can mark my words on that one. No jury will convict me. In the Superior Court of the State of Arizona, in and for the County of Maricopa, the State of Arizona versus Jody Ann Arias, indictment, count one, first-degree murder, premeditated murder. This is not a case of who done it. The person who done it, the person who committed this killing, sits in court today. It's the defendant, Jody Ann Arias. Prosecution's contention was Jody decided to make a road trip, and she shows up at Travis Alexander's house unannounced. <laughs> they proceeded to have a pretty passionate day or two of lovemaking. <laughs> she just liked to take pictures, and that was part of their thing. On this particular day, it was poses of him in the shower. And then she stabbed him over and over and over again and slit his throat and then shot him. Jody Arias killed Travis Alexander. There is no question about it. The million dollar question is what would have forced her to do it? 
It was Travis's continual abuse. And on June 4th of 2008, it had reached a point of no return. And sadly, Travis left Jody no other option but to defend herself. The story switched to self-defense, that Travis was an abusive lover. The defense couldn't say it was somebody else. Everybody knew, including Jody, including her defense, that she was the one who did it. These are photographs of the hallway. This right here is red staining on the carpet in the master bedroom. What are we looking at here? That is reddish brown substance that was inside and on top of the sink in the master bathroom. 25. You had a prosecutor who was not shy about displaying gruesome and lurid images. What Juan Martinez wanted to do was make sure that there was no doubt in any juror's mind that she deserved the death penalty which he was seeking. He was going to stop at nothing to make sure that they knew she was guilty and that they all decided to vote his way. We're at Travis's house, and I have pictures of you, pictures of him, dated and time-stamped on the day he died. Are you sure it's me? I mean, because I was not there. Straight out of the gate, the prosecution's strategy was to show just how violent and gruesome this crime really was by displaying graphic photos to the jury. The most unsettling were the autopsy photos of Travis Alexander. And I want to warn you, what you're about to see will be disturbing to some viewers. Taken together, all the wounds of the back and the head could have been fatal from bleeding over time. The most significant wounds are going to be the neck wound, the stab wound that penetrates the heart, and then also the gunshot wound. The photos of Travis's body, slashed and stabbed, elicited a lot of gasps and emotion and, and tears from the family. It affected Jody. Most jurors have not seen anything like this in their lives. They're incredibly disturbing. They cause very strong emotional reactions, anger, disgust, a sense of moral outrage, and a real need to see someone punished. It can actually start a, a biased processing of all the evidence to support convicting someone. Of the three that we've talked about, two of them, the one to the neck and the gunshot to the head, those appear that those would cause unconsciousness quickly. Immediate. Immediate. Yes and the one to the chest would not. Less likely. We have the defensive wounds to the hands. What does that tell you about the sequencing of these three injuries? I believe the wounds to the hands must have occurred before the fatal injuries, either of the head or of the throat. According to the medical examiner, he was shot in the head after he was stabbed 30 times. It was really important to undercut the only argument they had, which was a self-defense claim. What is this that we're looking at here? A latent palm print that has been developed on the wall, individualized as the left palm of Jody Ann Arias. Do you recognize those photographs? Yes, I do. These photographs depict the washing machine. There was a memory card inside of the washing machine that was also collected. This was not a case where we're dealing with a criminal mastermind who covered her tracks so carefully. There was a digital camera that Jody Arias put in the washing machine, presumably to destroy the memory card. 
Are you able to find the date and time that the images were created? These images, when you take them with this camera, it embeds the date and time that the camera has set on it to the file itself. And so with the photographs, at least that's some of them, comes the date and time. Yes. Exhibit 162. is a stain, it looks like blood. After the killing, she apparently dropped the camera or accidentally shot an image of her foot near the blood stains. They literally had crime scene photos from the defendant, which doesn't happen too often in capital murder cases. As part of the investigation, did you have occasion to sit down and talk to the defendant about the killing of Travis Alexander? Yes, I did. What if I could show you proof you were there? I wasn't there. Be honest with me, Jody. I was not at Travis's house. You were at Travis's house, and I have pictures of you, pictures of him, dated and time-stamped on the day he died. Are you sure it's me? I mean, because I was Jody, not there. It's you. I know you took pictures of him in the shower just before he died. And the camera actually took a couple of photos by accident during the time he was being killed. Really? Yeah, Jody, really. You were there. Quit playing this game. She didn't think, oh, the jig is up. I might as well just confess. I might as well just plead guilty and, and take my punishment. That's not Jody Arias. Did you also talk to her about this 25 caliber handgun that had been ostensibly taken during a burglary? Yes. It's reported a, a gun stolen, 25 auto. Just happens to be the same caliber as the weapon used to kill him. A 25 auto was used. Yeah, along with multiple stab wounds. Her grandparents owned a 25 caliber pistol that mysteriously disappeared as part of a break-in in the days leading up to the killing. Yeah. Find the gun? Maybe that was. Tell me. We're just playing games here. That gun was in your possession. If Travis were here today, he would tell you that it wasn't me. No. My job is to speak for Travis right now. And everything Travis is telling me is that Jody did this to me. She would have stuck to that story if the evidence didn't force her to change her story. You're telling me that some other people were there. I don't know who they were. This is the shower. I'm sitting here. I was like, right. Here on my knees in his back, so I was right here, and I was taking him here, and I was just going through the pictures, and I heard this loud ring. And I don't really remember except Travis was screaming. I think I got knocked out, but I don't think it was that long. Travis was bleeding everywhere. Has he been shot at this time, right? Yeah, but he was still. Why didn't they kill you? Just because he said... He said that's not what we're here for. Jody lied so many times, and each time she seemed to expect everyone to believe the new story. There seems to be a bit of narcissism. Oh, I'll be able to convince them. She might have had a lot of life experiences where she was able to convince people of lies. It's a different story now. She says she was there and she did it. If 
I hadn't seen it, I wouldn't believe it, the way Jody Arias was on the stand. At this point in time, has he been physically abusive with you? He got angry and he, he crossed the room and he started shaking me. Did you kill Travis Alexander on June 4th, 2008? Juan Martinez and the state had delivered a compelling case with mountains of strong evidence. Now it was up to the defense to present Jody's side. You could have heard a pin drop when her lawyers made a stunning move. They called Jody Ann Arias herself to the stand. The defense calls Jody Arias. Arias, please stand to be sworn. When Jody took the stand, I thought to myself, there is no way that her attorneys are in favor of this. Did you kill Travis Alexander on June 4th, 2008? Yes, I did. Why? Um, the simple answer is that he attacked me. Obviously, it's a very bad idea to have somebody like Jody Arias take the stand. However, if the entire defense is he was abusive to me, you have to have her take the stand. It couldn't be anybody else. You got a sense of Mr. Alexander having an interest in you that wasn't strictly business, right? Yes. We began to see each other about once or twice a month. It felt a little bit used. What do you mean, though, that you felt used? Well, you know, he gets a hotel room, I show up, we hang out, we have sex. He's not mentally present. I'm getting a lot of attention, but only while we're engaging in sexual activity. And then we check out and he takes off. And I kind of felt like, like a prostitute, sort of. I did not like the defense strategy in this case. I had talked to the lead attorney and he wanted to bring up their sexual lives. And I said, please don't do that. Domestic violence needs to be the centerpiece of your case. And if you bring up her, their sexual behavior, she will be labeled a slut and he will get a free pass. I found out that he was cheating on me. You essentially broke up that day over the fall. Yes, that was our end date, you could say. Do you remember the exact date or? Yes, I remember the date, it was June 29th. After you have this breakup, is that the last you hear of Travis Alexander? No. Was the sexual relationship still ongoing? It was ongoing. The cycle began to develop where there would be a fight, and then we would make up, and it would turn sexual, and then everything would be okay for a little while. Jody did not feel comfortable with her lead defense attorney. Kurt was probably not the best one for the job. Has he been physically abusive with you? Yes, that's correct. He got angry, and he started shaking me, and he said, I'm sick of you. And he body slammed me on the floor, called me a bitch, and he kicked me in the ribs. Why didn't you call the police? I would have never called the police on Travis. Why not? I, I wouldn't have betrayed him. I was loyal to him. Jody Arias was on the stand for more than 16 days, and she recounted her entire life story, often in very graphic detail. He was very mean to me at times, and when he wanted phone sex or something like that, he was really nice, and I liked that side of him. I'm really actually excited about our little adventure. They write novels about this stuff, and it felt 
But you and I can become millionaires. I mean, the pictures of the today are so hot. Like, what are we going to do with ourselves? We are just horny toes. All this was was an attempt to make the jury disgusted, to hope that they could find a crack in one of those people that maybe had had some child abuse in their life, and this would be a trigger enough to hang that one person. The evidence was so stacked against Jody, they had to grasp at these straws that were just completely disgusting. The very last time I called Travis, he had been guilting me, kind of making me feel bad that I was taking this big trip and that I wasn't going to see him. Since I was driving south, he wanted me to come to Mesa, so I went. When you went to Mesa, did you have the expectation that part of the activity would be to have sex with Travis? Yes. Took these pictures with Mr. Alexander's camera you were telling us yesterday, correct? Yes, that's correct. We were trying out different poses, and then we were checking the photos. And as I moved the camera, it slipped out of my hand. And then it rolled onto the tile. At that point, Travis flipped out. He was screaming that I was a stupid idiot. And he body slammed me again on the tile. So I ran into the closet and I slammed the door. And I remembered where he kept a gun. There's no evidence to support Travis ever owning a gun anywhere. But yet, she knew a secret hiding place that he kept it. And it just so happened to be a 25 caliber gun that happened to have been stolen from her grandparents a week before she drove to Travis's house and murdered him. I grabbed the gun, pointed it at him. I thought that would stop him. As he was lunging at me, the gun went off. I didn't mean to shoot him or anything. I didn't even think I was holding the trigger. I just was pointing it at him. And I didn't even know that I shot him. He said, kill you, bitch. He had almost killed me before, and And what? There's a lot of that day that I don't remember. I don't know if I blacked out or what. There's a huge gap. And the most clear memory that I have after that point is driving in the desert. What Jody did, shooting Travis and then stabbing him 27 times, is horrific. I think she started in self-defense. Once you start stabbing somebody and you've been humiliated by them and you have a rage that's inside of you, that rage comes out and that you are now no longer in your cortex, you're in your reptilian brain. Do you remember stabbing Travis Alexander? I have no memory of stabbing him. I have a million regrets. I was scared of him and I reacted, but I still re I will always regret everything about that. When it got to the cross-examination, where Juan Martinez really went after her, it sort of went into a whole new level. You would acknowledge that Mr. Alexander was stabbed, right? The defense painted a picture of an unhealthy sexual relationship, one in which Jody said Travis Alexander was physically, mentally, and emotionally abusive. With those allegations hanging over the courtroom, it was up to Juan Martinez to turn up the heat 
and challenged Jody on the stand. Ms. Arias, you are still under oath. Do you understand? Yes. Mr. Martinez, you may continue with cross-examination. When it got to the cross-examination, where Juan Martinez really went after her, it sort of went into a whole new level. Do you have problems with your memory? Occasionally. You didn't seem to have any problems on direct examination when you were talking to us about all the sexual exploits with Mr. Alexander, did you? I did have problems. You regaled us for days on end about his exploits, didn't you? I wouldn't say regaled. Jody Arias would say whatever came to her mind. And unfortunately, what came to her mind didn't always make a lot of sense. What are we talking about here? You're talking about the truth. I'm talking about memory. Aren't we talking about answering the questions? Um, I don't have a problem answering your question if I remember the answer. How can you tell us you don't know what it is? I'm nearsighted and I didn't get glasses until 2010. So you have a problem with telling the truth, don't you? Not typically. Do you remember having a conversation with Detective Flores of the Mesa Police Department back on July 15th, 2008? Yes. And this was the day that you were arrested, right? Yes. And during that time, you told him something, and let's take a look at it. One of the reasons I'm here is because I believe that you know some of these details. And I think you can help us. I would love to help you in any way that I can. Did you hear yourself telling the detective that you could help them in any way that you could? Yes. That's not true, is it? No, that was not the truth. And so you were thinking more of yourself when you made this statement to this detective, right? I'm not sure about that. Other than you, who would be sure about your statements? God. Well, God's not here. We can't subpoena him, right? I don't think so. You don't think so? Are you sure that we can't? Because it seems like you're leaving the door open for that. I don't think that she knew the gravity of the situation. It was more of, this is what I want to do to get my story out. And I think she was caught up in all the attention she was getting from around the world. You don't remember what you just said? I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? You just said offended was a good word. And when I used it, then you took issue with it. Is it a good word, or is it not a good word? Um, it depends on how you used it. Well, I'm saying you're the one that I asked you the question, that you were offended, and you said offended is a good word, right? That's what you said, right? I think so, yes. So, well, you think so means you don't know, right? I don't know. So how is it that if it just happened, you can't even remember what you just said? I think I'm more focused on your posture and your tone and your anger, so it's hard to process the question. So the answer is, it's again the prosecutor's fault because you perceive him to be angry, right? It's not your fault. Well, um, is somebody asking you whose fault it is? You did. Well, you seem to be pointing it at the prosecutor, right? So you believe the reason that you can't be effective on the witness stand is because somebody is asking you questions in a way you don't like. I think that was a compound question. Juan Martinez and Jody Arias, even though they were adversaries in this case, in some ways were a match made in heaven in terms of the spotlight. They both very much liked the spotlight, and there was a lot of conflict with them. The combative nature of Juan Martinez's questioning of her, combined with some of her responses to him, it was definitely a cat and mouse game. Based on what you tell us, there's this gunshot that rings out, right? Yes. And then you don't remember anything, right? I didn't say that. I said it got foggy after that point. The point where I can't remember anything is after he said, after he threatened my life. What's that? After he threatened my life. Well, what is it that he said? Kill you, bitch. So after 
kill you, bitch. You don't remember anything else, right? No. He kept trying to wear her down and wear her down and wear her down. And you started to see that have some success. She really started to break down on the stand and really started to get emotional. You would acknowledge that Mr. Alexander was stabbed, right? Yes. And you would acknowledge that that stabbing was with the knife, right? Yes. And according to your version of events, you would acknowledge that that stabbing was after the shooting, according to you, right? I don't, yes, I don't remember. I'm, I, I'm not asking you if you remember, ma'am. I'm asking if you acknowledge that it would be you that did it, correct? Yes. And you would acknowledge that a lot of the stab wounds, and if you want, we can count them together, were to the back of the head and the torso, correct? Okay. Well, no, I'm gonna I don't count them. I don't know. Let's take your word for it. Would you like to take a look at the photograph? <laughs> no. I don't think the jurors trusted Jody Arias. They felt that they were being manipulated by her. They might have even taken a little bit of satisfaction in seeing someone go after her. Ma'am, were you crying when you were shooting him? I don't remember. Were you crying when you were stabbing him? I don't remember. How about when you cut his throat? Were you crying then? I don't know. So take a look then. You're the one that did this, right? Yes. And you're the same individual that lied about all this, right? Yes. Are you saying that Mr. Alexander, when he was speaking with the defendant, was in the same relationship as you were with the defendant when you were speaking to her? If you were in my group, I would ask you to take a time out, Mr. Martinez. After a jaw-dropping 14 days on the stand, Jody left the jury with many unanswered questions. But in this courtroom, jurors were allowed to ask questions of their own, and they did. I just received some additional questions from the jurors. It looks like we have probably 100 questions. Arizona at the time was one of only three states in the nation where jurors can ask questions of the defendant. So as a result of that, you do get a window, an insight into the thinking of the jury. How can you say that you don't have memory issues when you can't remember how you stabbed him so many times and slashed his throat? I think that I have a good memory, and June 4th is an anomaly for me. After all the lies you have told, why should we believe you now? Lying isn't typically something I just do. I'm not going to say that I've never told a lie in my life before this incident, but the lies that I've told in this case are can be tied directly back to either protecting Travis's reputation or my involvement in his death. Would you decide to tell the truth if you never got arrested? I honestly don't know the answer to that question. When you're on the stand for 16 days, that's a long rope 
to hang yourself on in terms of contradicting yourself. I think that the jurors didn't trust her, and I think that having her on the stand for that long just made it even worse. Defense calls Dr. Richard Sandhill. Raise your right hand. I want to talk to you a little bit about memory. Ms. Arias described it like being in a fog. Stress occurs in situations that we call fight or flight. A large percentage of individuals who are in such settings have cloudy and foggy memories. Once a person enters this state, any activities that are involved in fleeing seem to be able to occur, such as running away or getting into a car and driving away. Bringing in mental health experts at the time that they were brought in, that was a Hail Mary pass. I don't think that it really resonated with the jurors that much at all. Sir, isn't it true that on a separate occasion you actually provided the defendant with a gift? No. Well, sir, do you remember providing her with a book called Erroneous Zones? Yes. You have a relationship with this individual that you feel is appropriate that you buy her at least one gift, correct? I bought her a self-help book. That creates an issue of your objectivity in this case, doesn't it? I didn't think so. Isn't it true that she discussed thoughts, feelings, conversations associated with the trauma in the 48 hours interview? Yes. Isn't it true that this compassion entered into your evaluation? I'm sorry, I don't see it that way. Right, you wouldn't see that that way because you have feelings for the defendant, right? I beg your pardon, sir. In your experience, do you often see women who ever have proof of physical abuse? No. <laughs> a lot of women have no proof of physical abuse because they haven't reported. You're not wanting to get your partner in trouble, so you don't tell anybody. You don't, and, it, and you lie about what happened in a medical report. So if you go to the doctor and you've got, you know, you have to have stitches, you say that you fell. I never would have taken this case if I did not believe she was a battered woman and if I did not have evidence to support that. I looked at the rants that he would go on, the names that he would call her, and the fact that she talked about four physical incidences. Given everything you know about the abuse that's occurred before and now the kicking on this time, how would you characterize their relationship? I would call it a domestically abusive relationship. Are you familiar with the concept of secondary gain? Yes, I am. And the concept of secondary gain is that if it's to the person's benefit, they may be deceitful. Secondary gain is not only part of whether somebody is going to get something from an expert witness or an attorney. Secondary gain also implies what you're going to get when you're having a sexual encounter with somebody. Are you saying that Mr. Alexander, when he was speaking with the defendant was in the same relationship as you were with the defendant when you were speaking to her? If you were in my group, I would ask you to take a time out, Mr. Martinez. Judge, would you please... Juan Martinez was the most abusive, disrespectful prosecutor I've ever dealt with. The way they would prep me for my next day would be to yell at me, because that's what he did. Do you agree or disagree with uh, Dr. Samuels that uh, the defendant uh, may be diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder. I disagree with that diagnosis. Tell me why you disagree with that. There wasn't symptoms that were consistent with that diagnosis. I diagnosed her on access to as borderline personality disorder. 
Borderline personality disorder, you can think of it similar to what we see in teenagers often. This sense of immaturity, it's about instability, unstable interpersonal relationships, unstable emotions, and an unstable sense of identity, meaning who am I as a person? There's this constant fluctuation. There's a lot of manipulation. Do you have an opinion as to whether or not the, there was any memory issues or any memory loss associated with fight or flight. I don't believe that she was in a fight or flight state or that, that there was memory loss as a result of that. If you've been around long enough, you know anything can happen. It takes one juror. So there's always a moment where you think, is she going to get away with this one? State of Arizona versus Jody Ann Arias, verdict count one. After 55 days of testimony, jurors would finally hear closing arguments. And in a death penalty case, it is possible that nothing could be more important. First up, the prosecution, followed by the defense. It would then take only a few short days before that jury would make up their minds about Jody Ann Arias. There was a lynch mob outside of the courthouse when Jody Arias' sentence came down. Are you ready to meet your maker if that's their decision? I'm ready to meet my maker, but if that time should come, but if that's their decision, it would drag on for years and years. Please stand for the jury. Please be seated. Mr. Martinez. This individual, the defendant, Jody Ann Arias, killed Travis Alexander. And to top it all off, she has indicated that she is innocent, that no jury will convict her. As you decide this case and you attempt to reconcile the lies with what actually happened, keep in mind that the defendant has attempted to manipulate you. Your duty is to follow the law and apply it to the facts. The state is asking you that you return a verdict of guilty that you return a verdict of guilty as to first-degree murder, not only as premeditated murder, but also as to felony murder, for no other reason that it's your duty and the facts and the law support it. Thank you. Kirk Nurmi and Jennifer Wilmot they were dealt a tough hand here. They had a defendant whose story had changed now three times, whose self-defense claims didn't really add up. A woman who had a steel trap memory for every detail of her life that clearly was evident when she was testifying, but then she has no memory of the killing whatsoever. Fear, love, sex, lies, and dirty little secrets. Each one of these aspects of the human condition played a prominent role in the relationship that Jody Arias shared with Travis Alexander. Ultimately, your job would be to determine one thing. Your job would be to determine what happened. Either what happened is that Jody Arias defended herself and didn't know when to stop, or she gave in to a sudden heat of passion from a fight that began up in that bathroom. And that what she did, she did under that sudden heat of passion. Demonstrative of that is this idea, she doesn't remember any of it. 
If Miss Arius is guilty of any crime at all, it is the crime of manslaughter and nothing more. If you believe the defense, it could be a history of abuse that was triggered by Travis being violent in the moment. If you believe the prosecution, it could be a long-standing personality disorder like borderline. Over the course of their relationship, that built up to a boiling point and just caused her to snap. Please come to the jury. Anything can happen. It takes one juror. So there's always a moment where you think, is she going to get away with this one? The clerk will read and record the verdict. Even as confident as you are with all the evidence, there's that sick little angel on your shoulder that says, there's a snowball's chance in hell for everybody. State of Arizona versus Jody Ann Arias, verdict count one. We, the jury, duly impaneled and sworn in the above entitled action upon our oaths do find the defendant as to count one first degree murder guilty. Five jurors find premeditated, zero find felony murder, seven find both premeditated and felony. Signed, four person. Is this your true verdict? So say you want it all? I just wanted to scream and shout and hug the family and celebrate, but you had to compose yourself. And I just remember thinking, finally, finally, justice for Travis. Please stand for the jury. 15 hours was all it took for a conviction. It was a pretty clear situation. Asking for death is tantamount to suicide. Either way, I'm going to spend the rest of my life in prison. It'll either be shortened or not. If it's shortened, the people who will hurt the most are my family. I'm asking you, please, please don't do that to them. I've already hurt them so badly, along with so many other people. I want everyone's healing to begin. Thank you. I don't think she got a fair trial. She wasn't provided the best possible defense by her lead attorney, and I don't think her prosecutor was ethical. State of Arizona versus Jody Ann Arias, sentencing verdict. No unanimous agreement, signed for person. Is this your true verdict, so say you want to know? Yes. They had 11 people who were all on board for the death penalty, and one holdout who essentially saved her life. Her history of abuse was a mitigating factor. Juan's going to be disbarred or on the verge of being disbarred. Her defense attorney is now a comedian. This was a domestic violence case that went terribly wrong. These were two very bright young people. Both needed therapy, support, to be able to deal with the trauma in their lives, and they didn't get that help. I miss Travis a lot. He was just such a compassionate guy. He would have made a great husband, a great father, a great leader in a community. He had everything he needed to have an incredible life. And she stole it from him. The world lost a great guy when we lost Travis.
On October 21st, 2014, the Jody Arias sentencing retrial began. Again, the jury was deadlocked on the death penalty, 11 to 1. So Judge Sherry K. Stevens sentenced Arias to life without the possibility of parole. I'm Ashley Banfield. Thanks for joining us. There you have it, another deep dive into a truly fascinating case. If you'd like to see the full Arizona versus Jody Arias trial, you can watch it on demand on the Court TV website. Just check the show notes for the link. And if you want to keep up with the biggest current legal stories, be sure to tune into my show, Closing Arguments, weeknights at 8 p.m. Eastern. Thank you so much for downloading. And as always, please don't forget to hug the kids. This podcast is a production of Court TV. Go to CourtTV.com for more content, trials on demand, and to find out how to watch Court TV in your area.